Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting episode of Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. Last week, we saw Moses send in his 12 scouts to look at the promised land, and uh, it did not disappoint. They were pretty excited about what they found. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, but dun, 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 there was a problem. The people seemed to be too many and too great a warriors to take on. So, 10 of the 12 people that went in to scout out the land came back afraid and convinced the rest of the people that they shouldn't move into the promised land. Only two of those guys were confident they could do it, so that they could take it. But as a result of the attitudes of the 10, God said no one from that generation would enter the promised land. And they would spend the next 40 years in the wilderness. So that meant nobody that was living at that time could go into the promised land. Yeah. None of the adults. None, none of the, the adults. adults. Yes. Yeah. Of that, yes. So not, yeah. none from that generation. Man, that that's horrible. That's a lot. All that work and all that. They're, they're promised to go in. We're headed towards it. And nope. You screwed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Moses then showed frustration towards the people. And allowed his pride to enter in his heart. And when he didn't follow God's instructions to a T that said to speak to the rock to get water out of it and hit it instead, he himself was told that he would not be able to enter the promised land. And I know I said last week, man, that seems so unfair. But, you know, God's got his reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, if y'all missed that, go back and listen to last week's episode. There's a lot of... Interesting stuff happening there. There is. So, this week, the story continues in Numbers 21 through 36 with Balak and Balaam. Did I say that right, Matt? I think that, so. That, right. That's how I always say it. I, I, yeah, at least we'll be wrong together. I like it. Hey, <laughs> you know, not exactly sure how to say it, but at least they're pronounced close to the same. That's right. Same inflections. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. What are we getting into this week with these folks? So... People are still traveling through the wilderness. They're they're following a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And as they're going, they're seeing more and more opposition out there. Well, hold uh, on. How close are they? I mean, if they already sent scouts, they were gone for, what, 40 days, right? Yeah. So they're, not, they're still not very close then. They are, the way I've always thought about it, and, and I could probably pull out the maps and stuff and see, but I kind of assume they got right up on it right up probably to the Jordan river and crossed over and they were in the land for 40 days. But whenever they came back and said, no, no, we're scared. We don't want to do it. That God led them away from it. Oh, and then, and then brings them, brings them back around. That's, that's what I've always assumed. I could be wrong about that. Um, But it's just interesting that there, God said, Nope, you're not going, but mm -hmm. still follow my, my cloud and my fire. Mm -hmm. And, and they did. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it is, right? That they didn't get the answer they wanted, but they're still going to follow. Questions right up front. All right. <laughs> All right. I love it. So as they're out and about, they are dealing with more and more opposition. At the start of our story, they have run into the Canaanites, with the Amorites. You know, but, but the thing that's consistent is even though they made the mistake of not trusting him to go into the promised land, God is still with them. He's still reassuring them. They're still winning the battles, right? 
Yeah, every, everything's still good. And and I think it's just kind of an interesting little side note before we get into uh, Balak and Balaam that where we left off last week was a pretty pretty big downer. That none, none of basically the adult generation, Moses, wasn't going to make it in. Aaron died in what we talked about last week. And so, I mean, it's it, it things are pretty down at that point. But even still, where we pick up, God's still winning the battles for them and, and giving them victory. So it's kind of a cool thing to see there. Which it is. And considering he wanted to take them all out not too long ago. Yeah. And Moses again convinced them or, you know, begged and pleaded or I don't know what that looks like. But, you know, God, yeah. don't do that. Then it would have been for nothing that we've made it this far and the people would talk poorly of you. And mm-hmm. But he's still showing his love for them in, mm-hmm. in that they are winning their battles and surviving. And so I guess, I guess my question now would be, and maybe you'll get into this in a little bit, but they're still following this pillar of fire, this mm-hmm. cloud following where, if they're not going to the promised land, where are they going? You know, I kind of assume they're just wandering. Like they're, they're following because that's all they know. I mean, they're in the wilderness. There's really not a whole lot there, but as far as kind of what direction they're heading at, I don't know that they have a, a destination in mind at hmm. this point. You think about wandering around for 40 years, you, you think you'd get somewhere by then, but but maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, the life of a traveler, right? This is where we get gypsies from? I don't know. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in the midst of all these battles, right, God's still giving them victory. But there was one in particular when they were battling with the Amorites, that uh, guy that is the king of Moab named Balak, he saw this battle happen, um, or he, he at least heard about it, and he he got scared. He's like, man, these Israelites, they keep coming in and winning these victories. They keep coming in and, and kicking tail. And so he decided, you know what? Two heads are better than one. Two countries are, are more likely to win these battles. And so he decided to partner with the Midianites. And uh, he even called on some spiritual help from one of the Midianites named Balaam. Now, Interesting thing about Balaam, he was a prophet, but he wasn't from the nation of Israel. But he did follow and call on God. And so I think this is this is just fascinating to me. You know, one of the things that comes up a lot in kind of the apologetic side of Christianity, we actually talked about it in church recently, of well, what about the person that's never heard about God and they're in the remote desert and blah blah, blah all that stuff. And I don't, I don't know the exact answer to that, but what I can tell you is that somehow Balaam was a prophet to God, but he wasn't in the nation of Israel. How did he know? And at this point up until now, reading the Bible as we have been, the only people who, as far as we know, know about God Mm -hmm. are the Israelites. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. it's, It's interesting, right? And you can, you can trace back. Midian, the the original Midian of the Midianites, back to Abraham. He was one of Abraham's wife's kids. But you know, even with that, you know, it's clear that the Midianites and the Moabites and the Amorites and all these people, none of these people were following God as a country, but, but Balaam stuck out. So just a little sidebar on how God can use people and reveal himself even when it seems like they don't have a way to know about it. So, back into the story, Balak was calling on Balaam to curse the people 
he he's seen these battles and he's like, you know what? A surefire way to win is if I get some divine intervention and get these people cursed. And so um, elders from Midian and Moab uh, came to him and they brought gifts. And if we're being honest, they brought bribes um, <laughs> and they said, okay, hey, you've got to come and put a curse on the Israelites. But Balaam's response uh, tells us a lot. Uh, Numbers 22, 8. He said to them, spend the night here and I will give you the answer that the Lord tells me. And so the officials of Moab stayed with Balaam. And that tells you a lot about where Balaam's at and kind of setting up the story for where we're headed is that he said, I'm not doing anything unless God allows it. I'm not I'm, I'm just not going to. If God tells me to, to bless him, I'm going to bless him. If he says to curse, I'm going to curse. But as a prophet, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. I wish we could learn that and be so much better about that. Yeah. I was just having that today. Like I wanted to do a few different things. I'm trying to make a few decisions. And it's been a while, but I stopped. I'm like, you know what? Before I put in this credit card information, before I push go on this, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So now I wait, right? And mm-hmm. but I don't. I I make so many snap decisions. I wish I was better about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 making snap decisions, which is something I struggle with as well. Or, you know, sometimes the right thing to do is not always the the quote unquote logical thing to do, and it's not the you don't understand until you get to the back end of it why that was the best decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the old, old adage that hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, if we, if we slow down and look at it on the front end and wait to see what doors open, wait to see what happens there and there, life will probably be a lot simpler and definitely better. <laughs> Patience is definitely a virtue, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, uh, because of Balaam's attitude here, God comes and talks to him and Balaam tells him, you know, hey, these men want to curse these people that have come out of Egypt. Um, what is, you know, what am I supposed to do? And so God tells him, eh, you're not going to go with them. And so he, Balaam tells the people that came, not going back with you. I'm not going to curse them. Not going to happen. Uh, God has spoken. God said, no, my answer is no. Well, that's that's pretty straightforward, cut and dry. Um, so he's saying to he's telling them, "You go curse them if you want to, mm-hmm. but I'm not with you on this." It's not me. Yeah, I'm not doing fun. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the elders go back to the king of Moab, Balak, and uh, he's he's not convinced that it's done yet. Uh, he apparently has more of the attitude that everybody's got a price, um, whatever you're willing to pay for it, right? And so. He, he's thinking, okay, this prophet, he doesn't understand just how serious I am. So he sends higher ranked officials and he sends more money, more bribes, all of this. And sends the same message. Come on, you, you got to come curse these people. They're going to come attack me. I want to attack them. Like we, when we battle, I want to make sure that they're cursed and I'm not. Balaam tells him again, if God says no, I'm not going to go, but stay here overnight. I'll let you know how it goes. That actually speaks a lot to peer pressure. Hmm. You know, he's already told him no. God's already told him no. But instead of caving or, or maybe, I mean, maybe Balaam wants the money, but he's like, but I'm going to ask God first. Yeah. I mean, that would make some sense. Right. I would understand that. But 
He's going to go back and ask God again and give him an answer in the morning. Yeah. That's that's interesting that that he didn't just say, no, God's already said no. Yeah. We're done with this. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? And I, I think it's interesting on, on two fronts, it, depending on which way you look at it. One, one side is, like you said, it's the peer pressure of... Okay, well, I kind of want this to happen, or oh, this is this is a big deal. Maybe I should reconsider. There's kind of that side of it, but there's also like, huh, I wonder if God changed his mind yet. Hmm. Let me go talk to him real quick. <laughs> like, I, I don't know which one he was feeling, but I love the fact that in whichever way he was, his attitude was still, I'm gonna talk to God first. We're, I'm gonna find out what I'm supposed to do. Today, people think God is such a He's just a ruler, right? He's just, mm-hmm. he makes all these rules that we can't, but just in the last few chapters, not mm-hmm. the last two chapters, Moses changed God's mind. How many times? Yeah. Three times? At least, yeah. So far? Uh, well, so far Moses is dead now, but more, <laughs> mm-hmm. spoilers, will change his mind. Yeah. Um, now we've got this Balaam feller that doesn't know anything about Moses, Yeah. but he knows God. Yeah. And he knows God well enough to know that I'll go ask him again. Mm-hmm. He's not going to strike me down, yeah. but I'll but I'll find out for you. Yeah. I, the level of personal relationship that these guys had with God is just, mm-hmm. it's outstanding. I, I just, I, I wish I could feel like I had that level mm-hmm. of a relationship. Yeah. It's hard, even though we know what Jesus did for us. It's hard to remember that the, that he loves us the way he does. Yeah, I, I was talking to uh, it's actually my brother about prayer. Well, he was he was leading a little devotional for our praise team, um, and was talking about prayer and and praying, expecting things to happen, um, knowing that God can do it. And the answer is sometimes yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not yet. And and that idea of God being willing to change his mind is sometimes uncomfortable or God saying, Hey, hold on, hold on. But I mean, I don't know about you, but, but anytime that I've, I can again, look back and see that it's like, Oh, that, okay. I wasn't ready for that yet. Or if it had happened when I wanted it to, then it wouldn't have happened the way it needed to. But, but like you said, to have that, that level of relationship and confidence to say, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to make this step. I'm not going to make this move until I talk to God first. Like that's, that shows a level of, of faith and, um, well, and, and it, I mean, that's what a, you know, Lord relationship looks like, right. Is, is we say, okay, I'm not going to make the decisions. I'm going to rely on what I know to be true. And if I'm not sure, I'm going to go talk to him and find out first. And what would our lives look like if we, set back and had enough patience to wait hmm. for everything. Yeah. You know, we might not get as much done in a day mm-hmm. or a week or a month as we are used to, but that's probably okay. Cause we all <laughs> need to slow down Yeah, and think and spend time talking to God and mm-hmm. spend time. If we, our days are so full of, nonsense yeah gotta do this gotta do this if we slowed down and and weren't so rushed to do everything we'd have more time in Mm -hmm. god's word um more time praying we would probably be so much more efficient and not have to do as much yeah yeah so it's almost a catch-22 
Yeah. If we don't, it's going to seem for a while. It's going it, to. I think it would take some extreme getting used to. Mm-hmm. And for me, constant stress of I'm not doing enough. <laughs> yeah. But if that's a control issue that we're supposed to let go and give to God anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, I almost feel like I actually have chills, goosebumps. <laughs> I almost feel like I feel like this is like God saying, "Listen, I'm dropping the mic." And, Are you listening? <laughs> yeah, and and I feel like it's just a why didn't I know this sooner? Mm-hmm. And what would my life look like if I stopped and talked to Him more and mm-hmm. read read the Bible more? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So, <laughs> so be, be, because Balaam did this and and waited and did go talk to God about it, God actually changed his mind. Um, he said, "This time, go with them. Go back with them to the king of Moab, but only say what I tell you to say. Stick with me. It's you've got you've got to do what I tell you to do. But go ahead and go back with them." So, God allowed him to go, but. What we see is that he still, God still wasn't happy about the fact this was happening. So it's like he allowed him to do it, but it, but it's, it still wasn't, still wasn't great. So, but it leads to this really funny series of events that, you know, just talk it up to a God thing. So Balaam's riding on his donkey and he's going along a path with these men. And all of a sudden the donkey starts doing some strange things. The first thing is uh, they're going down a path. And he veers off the path entirely. Like I'm, I'm assuming like a dirt road in the middle of cornfield sort of thing. Like that's, that's the vision I have in my mind. And he goes off in the cornfield. Like what, what the heck? So Balaam hits it and gets it back on the path. That was kind of weird, but whatever. So then they're traveling along this narrow passageway and it's got walls on either side. And the donkey squeezed all the way up against one of the walls and like smushed Balaam's leg into the wall he hit it again. The donkey got, got back in the center of the path and, and that was okay. But just, just acting weird. And so finally, you know, at, at one point the, the donkey's on, they're on the same path heading towards Moab to meet with Bullock. And it just stopped. It just sat down and plopped in the middle of the road. It's like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm refusing to move. I'm out. And Balaam headed again. And I mean, just thinking like, like, what is this donkey doing? I mean, I'm assuming it's been, you know, trained and like he's used it a lot. Uh, there's a lot of frustration here. It's time for a new donkey. That's right. Let's talk it up to just a stubborn donkey. That's right. <laughs> stubborn as a mule, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in Numbers 22, we learned something interesting about this donkey. Verses 28 through 30. Uh, then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and she asked Balaam, What have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? Balaam answered, you made me look like a fool. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you now. But the donkey said, am I not the donkey you've ridden all your life until today? Have I ever treated you this way before? The answer was no. So what Balaam didn't know is that there was actually an angel from God that was standing in the path all three times and that the donkey acted up. And so the donkey, I guess, saw it or or since the presence or something. And so every time it was trying to go around, it was trying to veer around that. Balaam didn't see it, obviously, or else he would have responded to it as well. But this was a reminder to Balaam of, Hey, you're not going to go curse these people. You're not going to go do what these people are asking you to do. This is not a good thing that they're, that they're asking you to do. I'm still in control. I'm still the guy in charge here. You got to do what I tell you to do. 
So yeah, God used a talking donkey to get Balaam back on the straight and narrow there. Hmm. I love that. And again, that goes back to show how God works everything for the good, right? That is just our our verse that we just keep going back to over mm-hmm. and over and over again, mm-hmm. no matter the situation. What we don't know, God does. Yeah. And even when things are frustrating and uh, they're just driving us crazy or they're painful or they're, um, we're, you know, it's God's teaching us something or protecting us from something or we don't know. Yeah. So listen to your donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't have one praying will work, uh, that's, <laughs> yes, that's true too. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> but so anyway, a fun, a fun little story about that, but Balaam finally makes it in. He gets to Moab and he meets with Balak and Balak is still convinced that um, Balaam is going to come in and put a curse on the Israelites. But of course, as you can tell from how the story has gone so far, God has different plans. God gave Balaam very specific instructions about some sacrifices he was going to give and exactly what he was going to say to Balak, which was a blessing for Israel. So Balak didn't like it. And he called on him to try it multiple times. I think there were four different oracles that Balaam gave that were all basically blessing the Israelites and cursing the other guys. And Balaam's answer, and this is this is so cool. I, I love this. And like we've been talking about, I wish I was more this way. Hmm. Every time Balak came to him, Balaam said, God gives me the words. I'm just the messenger. I'm not going to go against what he told me to do and what he's calling me to do. This is his show. I'm just the guy here. There's a really good chance Balaam could say this and Balak could just kill him. But mm-hmm. Balaam is still, no, I'm not going to go against God. Yeah. I'm going to do what he says. And he didn't. I don't think he said this in the verse, but, you know, kill me if you're going to, but I'm still not going to do it. That's definitely his attitude, right? Yeah. If, like, I I don't care what what you say. I, I, this is This is what God has called me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. You think about the the early church and like you read the book of Acts and the persecution and the, um, you know, the first martyr and Stephen and some of the tradition that the church holds about the apostles. Like that's the level of faith and belief in God that they had is like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not one. I'm not going to deny Christ on the front end, but also like, as God calls me to do stuff, I'm not going to be quiet about it. Like I'm, I'm going to do what I do. And if you don't like it, you don't like it, do what you're going to do. But having that level of dedication and and that level of, you know, I don't give a crap. Like this is what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, uh, it's encouraging and convicting all at the same time. They know their why Mm -hmm. and they follow through. That's right. It's really that simple. <laughs> so as we work through the uh, the rest of the book of Numbers, there are some more battles recorded. Um, there are some ups and downs. Um, there are a few more important events that happen that I just want to highlight kind of as we wrap up in the life of Moses here. So the results of, of all of these um, conversations and oracles and all that stuff is Balag from what we can tell basically decides to just walk away. He says, I'm not going to attack them. Like if they're blessed and I'm cursed, I'm not going that route. Smart man. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to go up against God. And these guys are already kicking everybody's tail. I'm not interested. There is some interaction there between the Israelites and the Moabites. Um, the, 
Israelite men intermarried with the Moabite women, and and it actually brought in some uh, Baal worship and some issues there. And so there is still some very negative stuff that comes out of them being there around them. But as far as, you know, it, it feels like this Balak and Balaam should be leading up to this big battle and epic battle. And they both kind of walk away from it um, at this point. Yeah. (laughs) And well, it's not surprising that they start worshiping their gods because I mean, they created a golden calf to worship, right? Right. It's not surprising that they kind of get on this, uh, this solid path and then they fall again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's almost like we all do that. Right. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. This is why every time I read about the nation of Israel, I'm like, yeah, I identify with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the ups and downs and turnarounds of life. Definitely. It's too real. So after that happens, there are a few more kind of important events that happen in the book of numbers. Um, and just kind of, putting a bow on the life of Moses, so to speak. Um, so at, at this point, when all this stuff is happening, it's at, right at the very end of Moses' life. Um, and so one of the most important things he's got to do at this point is establish who the next leader of the people is going to be, who's going to lead them into the promised land. Um, Joshua is a man, he's been his protege for a while. Um, he was one of the 12 scouts that went into the promised land. He was one of two that came back and said, Hey, if God's with us, we can do this. It was him and Caleb. And so Joshua being a protege of Moses and being somebody who already depended on God and showed faith in God, he was commissioned as the guy who was going to be the next leader of the people as they enter the promised land. They did some other things with establishing boundary lines kind of around the promised land. The Jordan River was the big one because uh, they had to cross the Jordan to get into the main area of the promised land. Um, that's why sometimes when you hear old hymns, they talk about crossing over the Jordan and it's a uh, symbolism for crossing into heaven. That's kind of where that comes from. Mm, okay. But there were a couple of tribes that when they got close to the promised land, they saw that everything on their side of the Jordan was actually really good for livestock. I guess it was super green there along the riverbank. And so Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh decided to stay on this side of the Jordan. And they said, no problem. You can set up shop here as long as you will cross over and help battle and conquer the promised land when we go in. And then the last thing, one of the last things Moses did uh, before he died is establish who the leaders of each tribe were going to be when it came to dividing up the land and setting the people up so that when they went in and conquered that, that they could divide the land between all the tribes and decide who was going to go where. And so really the last, you know, probably 10 or so chapters of numbers is all of this big setup leading to Joshua taking command and leading them into the promised land. So by the end of Numbers, which is what we're finishing up today, they are in the promised land. We're, we're there. This next generation has made it. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. We did it. They're right, they're right there on the edge. They haven't entered in yet, but they're right there on the edge. From Numbers, we'll, we're going into Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. which is a recap of, of this, yeah. basically. Are there any more stories about the promised land from after that? Or are we kind of done with that? Or is it all about building on the promised land? Yeah, so the next so the next phase will be um, 
Joshua. So Joshua has his own book with it, with his name. And that's all about conquering the promised land. So he leads them in, um, like the battle of Jericho. That's one that a lot of people have heard of, probably heard of. Um, and so the, so right now they're right on the edge. And then as soon as Joshua takes over, they enter in, they start, start taking over the land, divide it up between everybody and move in. Not to give y'all spoilers, but still got more stuff coming on. That's right. That's right. All right. So we've talked about it a little bit today as far as, um, you know, uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, God working for the good and um, Jesus having died for us and everything else. So aside from our commentary, how is this specifically pointing to Jesus? So there, there's a short, a short story in the text that we actually didn't talk about on the front end, but Jesus specifically calls it out in his teaching. And so I'm like, well, that's probably a good one to good thing to talk about (laughs) in numbers 21. Uh, the Israelites were uh, doing what they do. They grumble a lot. See that all the time. Again, I identify with the Israelites throughout most of their journey. (laughs) So God sent out poisonous snakes among the people and, realizing they're wrong, realizing that they you know, shouldn't be grumbling against the God that delivered them out of Egypt and all this stuff, right? Uh, they called on Moses and asked him to intervene on their behalf and uh, before God. And so God's instruction was to make a snake out of bronze and hold it up in front of the people. And when the people um, showed their faith in God and God's deliverance by looking at the snake, that the poison was cured from their bodies. And, uh, and they were fully healed. So Jesus makes reference to this in John chapter 3. Um, he says in verses 14 through 15, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So in the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites the bronze snake through Moses. Um, and like I said, when they looked upon it in faith, when they showed their belief and their trust in God that he would deliver them in this way. They were saved uh, from that. When we look at us and our lives, we got a little different poison, not poisonous snakes, but we, but we do all deal with sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I think any of us, if we look in the mirror, we see that, right? We see that, that we're not perfect, that, that we've done things that we're not proud of, that we're not happy about. But just like looking upon the snake in faith is all it took to be cured of the poison. When we look upon Jesus in faith and make him savior and Lord, and we say, Hey, I'm going to follow that guy. I'm on his team. Um, we can have eternal salvation in him. Uh, John three sixteen through 17 says for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And uh, just a really cool picture. This is one of those direct parallels that's really cool to see where, I mean, Jesus specifically calls it out and says, hey, look, I'm the snake. But but it's it's really cool to, to see that connection uh, so clearly between the days of Moses and when Jesus comes. Well, I think... People complicate it so much. I know I did. But we literally... All we need to do, just like the Israelites, all they had to do was look at the snake and believe. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is look at Jesus and believe. It's not that hard. Yeah. That's all we have to do. And so many people think we've got to work for it. Mm -hmm. We're We're never good enough. We have to... 
you know, give away all our money. We have to right. uh, stop having fun. We have you know, all these different things that people think, which is what started our Simplify Jesus platform. Yeah. Um, that is just not the case. Look at Jesus and believe. Mm-hmm. That's it. I, I, it's Simplify Jesus, and we can't get much simpler than that. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't get any simpler. And and the, you know, the back end of that is if you have your faith in Christ and you really believe, then your life's going to change, right? The and that's where, you know, that's why we're doing the chronological look through the Bible and talking about the history and what it means and how it all points to Jesus and all of that is because yeah, your life's going to change when. If, if you really believe Jesus was the son of God and he came, he died and rose again. Um, like the Bible says, like history has, has said, and you put your faith in him for your salvation. Yeah. Your life's going to change. It's going to line up more with what the Bible calls us to, but you don't have to get yourself right before you come. You don't have to earn your way into heaven because you can't, you just got to have faith. And only, as we said last week, you only have to have faith of a mustard seed. Yeah. Which you don't know what a mustard seed looks like you can barely see it not very big <laughs> it's, yeah so stop complicating things mm-hmm. and uh, give your life to jesus that's it yeah that's it if you ever have any questions about that shoot us a note info at simplify jesus um we'd uh love love to hear from you and hook you up with resources talk to you more about that um that definitely don't uh don't let it take go by if you got questions about that yeah so There's been a lot going on here. What's going on elsewhere in the world? So, um, just a little little sidebar on divination. So, divination is kind of the um, the source of most of our story with Balak and Balaam. Um, Balak believed that Balak, being the king of Moab, believed that um, Balaam was just another diviner. He was just another guy that called on the spirits to help out in different situations and whatnot. Um, and, uh, obviously he's not, he was a prophet of God and, and so, um, different animal there, but yeah, at its core divination was, um, the practice of seeking information from the spirits. It was seeking information from the divine. So they, so they sought out what they believed the spirits and the gods were telling them. And so you see it a lot in the old Testament it's referenced in the stories of like Joseph, uh, when he's talking to Pharaoh and Moses, when the plagues are coming in he's asking them the magicians to duplicate what Moses is doing, you know, and, and the issue here in divination is not that you're seeking out information, but rather who are you going to for the information? And that's what makes all the difference with Balaam is that he's not just saying, you know, to, he's not going to bail quote unquote bail a false God for that. He's not just asking the spirits to, tell him what, but, but he's, he's going to God. He's going to the God that he serves, the God that he knows and asking out that information. And so that's the difference between divination and prophecy. And it, it's all about where it's coming from. And so I, I just wanted to, to hit on that briefly because it's, I think there's even some references to Balaam in numbers as practicing divination and all of that. Um, it was very common. Um, you saw it a lot in that time, but that's that's the difference between divination and prophecy is who's your source? Who who's the person 
you're you're going to are you going to god and saying hey god this is this this is what i'm looking at what am i supposed to do here or are you relying on quote unquote spirits and that information and is is one other little thing that's why there are so many things in leviticus that may not make sense you know one, one of the ones i know we've talked about in here before is like tattoos and stuff you know more than likely i'm feel pretty confident in saying that was tied to worship that was tied to divination of involving other gods and so that's why i was looked down upon does that still apply today well as as emily has said jesus got a tattoo in the in revelation right so <laughs> i think i think we're okay uh <laughs> no we're we're good but but that's why some of those laws that may not make sense to us and we're like why did he put that in there every chance in the world that it comes back to divination and ultimately worship of these other gods. And that's what it's all about. Well, let's go back to, to that very example. Jesus had a tattoo on his thigh when he came back on the white horse. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the part of it. I don't know revelation that well, but well, does anybody, but anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, um, but it's all about your heart, right? Because I think if you were worshiping other gods and tattooing yourself with, their marks and things like that. Mm-hmm. God's probably not going to like that even today. That's right. Uh, it, it just goes back to a heart issue. But if you're getting yeah. a flower on your wrist or, you know, <laughs> what a, a dragon on your back. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're not worshiping the dragon or the right. devil with it, then you're probably okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a- anything can, can become an idol, right? Um, but that's, you know, the practice of getting a tattoo is not, it's, it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> there's so many issue. other things like that. And, and that's yeah. why, you know, obviously this was a big thing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably still is in some areas today. Probably. Yeah. Um, but that's why Jesus had such an issue with Pharisees, right? Because mm-hmm. it was all about the heart. It wasn't about, it wasn't about the laws. In right. fact, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. He almost made it harder. Yeah. Or he did make it harder, mm-hmm. but that's not what it's about. It's the heart and that's it's, right. and it's believing in him. So I just want to make sure that, uh, again, going back to previous episodes and of course uh, it's all over scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a heart issue. Yeah. And it's, you're not, you're not going to be good enough to, to make the mark to get into heaven um, or to be forgiven of your sins. That's right. Um, it's all about your belief and where your heart is with it. So, Mm-hmm. Just wanted to point that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, next week, uh, I mentioned it earlier, we're going to go into Deuteronomy, um, and that is a recap of Moses' story. And we're gonna we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna recap where we've where we've come from. It's gonna be, I think, probably a bit of a uh, abridged version. Yep. Um, not gonna go through the whole thing, but next week we will do a review of Moses' journey to set up for entering the promised land that he didn't get to enter yep poor guy <laughs> poor guy well, all those people poor people. listen to god y'all that's right <laughs> listen to your parents <laughs> <laughs> i learned anything from today's lesson listen to god that's, that's right yeah that's right so with that being said we will talk to all of you next week looking forward to it get us out of here matt if you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share, keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. 
You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa to say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.